from week number three, uh, four, week uh, number four. I said three, but I think it is four. I think four. it is four. Week number four of a five-part series. We're going to wrap this up next week. Um, so let me just kind of uh, help you understand what we're talking about. We're calling it semicolon, and then the tagline of this is yesterday does not have to define your tomorrow. But the reality is it can define your tomorrow. And if yesterday is left unattended, it will define your tomorrow every single time. So let me tell you why. Let me review quickly. So let's just say something happens in your life. We'll call that event A, whatever that is. Uh, someone says something to you or, um, or they do something to you or just you find yourself in a life circumstance. Event A. And you find yourself sometimes saying things like, you make me feel so angry or you make me feel horrible. You make... We say these things, you make me feel, or you make me so mad, you make me do something, right? You, and we, we say that that event or that person makes us feel something, or makes us act in a certain way, or makes us react in a certain way. And so we go, and that action or feeling, we'll call that C, letter C. So the event is letter A. And we jump straight to the letter C. And you know your alphabet as well as I do. You know there's a B in the middle. And we say, well, what happened to the letter B? And the letter B stands for our beliefs. We think that it's the event that makes us feel something or react in a certain way. But the reality is, the truth is, it is our belief about that person or that event or that thing that makes us feel a certain way and react a certain way or act a certain way. It's all about the belief. And that's what we've talked about. If you don't quite understand that, you need to listen to week number one. We break that down in detail. So if that's the case, if we want to change our tomorrow, if we don't want yesterday that event or that person or that thing to determine or define what our tomorrow will be, the only way to change that, we can't change the person or the event or the thing. The only thing we can change that will make a difference is if we change our belief about that. And that's what this whole series is about. Because the thing, the person, the circumstance has no power over your life. It has no power at all. No power over your feelings, no power over your actions or reactions. Your beliefs have all the power over your feelings, your actions, and your reactions. So, if we want to change our tomorrow, we have to change our beliefs that we have tucked deep down inside of our hearts. Now, many of these beliefs that we have placed in our hearts, many of them are faulty beliefs. But it doesn't matter. They're a belief, and so they impact us. Many are faulty, and they mislead our feelings, and they mislead our actions, and they mislead our reactions. But the good news is God wants to help you replace those faulty beliefs, replace them with his true beliefs. So if we can change our beliefs, then we most definitely can change our tomorrow. We can change the way we feel. We can change the way we act. We can change the way we react. Now, in week number two of this series, we went into great detail about how to actually change those beliefs. If you have not listened to week two, please 
please, please go to soundcloud.com, search for Harley Petty, find this series, semicolon, listen to week number two. You see, we have beliefs about everything. We do. We have tucked them deep inside, and those beliefs every single time tell us how to feel, what to think about it, how we're going to act, how we're going to react. You know, we even have beliefs about God. We have beliefs about God. Now, there's a word for that, and the word for that is theology. That's a scary word. Theology literally means words about God, our beliefs about God. Now, it's scary. The word theology can scare you off. Most of us have avoided that word our whole lives. But regardless, whether we've avoided the word, you still have a theology. Even if you don't want to use that word, you still have one. Everyone has a theology. We have all formed beliefs about who God is and what God is like, what we think he is like. There's so many different kinds of beliefs. Some people, they'll look at a creator and they say, yes, there's a creator and he should be submitted to. There are some people who have a belief about God that say, well, it's just some kind of unknown being out there, he or she or some kind of universal force out there somewhere kind of vaguely influencing life. Yeah, maybe that's it. Some people believe that God is in the forces of nature, that you, to get to go know God, you have to get to know the earth. Some people believe that there are millions of gods, like maybe the Hindus. The Hindus believe that. There are millions and millions of gods. And then, you know, even atheists have a theology. They have what they believe about God. Right, and as you probably know, not all these gods that people believe in are good. Um, today, in 2016, today, some sacrifice humans to their gods. They actually sacrifice human beings to their god. Some tribes in some part of the world will, will kill you if you don't believe in, in their official god. In some countries today, religious men claim the right to rape and, and abuse women who worship other gods besides their god. Um, some say that if, if they find you or if they find someone who doesn't believe in their God, they will slit your throat from ear to ear um, just so the people of their faith will see it and remain moral and pure. These are beliefs that people hold deep down in their hearts about their God. So you can see how the, the belief about our God or whoever about God in general is important. It, 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 it causes us to act a certain way. It causes us to react a certain way. So it's, it's crucially important what we believe about God or theology is crucially important. See, but in America, you know, most of the time we start we start out with a belief in a Christian God most of the time. Um, but we tend to, to, to make God into whatever we want him to be, usually. Maybe you've, had, you've heard or you've actually said, you know, I don't, I don't believe in a God who would, who would send someone to hell. I don't believe in a God who would send anyone to hell. I believe in a God who is, is a God of love and wants everyone to be happy no matter what. See, we, when we do that, what we're doing is we're putting ourselves first and we're deciding how we want um, the world to be 
and how it should be. And then we take God and we kind of say, okay, God, my God that I'm going to create, he approves of all of this. You know, most religions in the world today, they fall into under two categories. The first one is that God is distant. He is, he is distant away from us. And to please this God, he... Uh, you have to perform a certain way, you have to do certain things, you have to say certain things, and if you don't, he will punish you based on your, your actions or your words. And the second category is that God is loving and caring and he's forgiving and, and he's a relational God and he designed his people to, to walk daily in that relationship. And the only belief system that falls into that category is Christianity. Um, but, you know, even with inside the confounds of Christianity, we, we still have some mistaken beliefs about God, some, some theology that can be harmful to us. And uh, pictures of what we think God is deep, and we bury those deep down in our heart. And one of those is that, that God is like my heavenly, or God is like my earthly parents, my father or my mother. And this could be very harmful, and it could not be as harmful. If you had a good father or good parents that were very loving, it could not be as harmful. But if, if you had a father that was abusive or rejecting or uh, maybe just an angry person that you didn't know that if you could trust or not, you, you will have maybe a really bad view of God. And, and you'll attach that, that belief about your earthly father to your heavenly father. Right. So we're going to have some pictures that go along with these. So the first one Donnie talked about was seeing God as if God were like one of our parents that we've experienced here on earth. Here's the second one. The second one is the stained glass God. And the stained glass God, we kind of separate from our everyday life. It's something for another place, a special place. Um, and this God is kind of it's spiritual and holy and, and kind of otherworldly. So in order to get close to this God, we have to go maybe to a special religious holy place to get in touch with the stained glass God. He's distant. He's out there. Another one is the absentee God. And this is a, a distant, uninvolved God. He, he maybe created everything we see, created the earth. But then he kind of just backed up and say, okay, you know, you just, just kind of do your own thing. You just kind of figure it out. I'm just going to step back. Yes. The next one is the scorekeeper God. And this is a lot like the game whack-a-mole because we're out there living our lives and as soon as we pop our head up and do something wrong he's keeping score and he's looking just to whack us and punish us for what we did wrong so so that we don't get whacked too many times we got to make sure that we do enough good things to balance out the bad things we do that is the scorekeeper god Right. Another one is the on-star God. And I think no matter who we are, at some point in our life, we have a temptation to view God uh, this way. And, and the on-star God is not with us every moment, but he is an on-call all the time. And you can reach out and, and he will solve your problems. He will give directions. He will get you out of a jam. And prayer is the panic button on OnStar. And if, if you're not in panic mode, there's no reason 
to pray. Right, right. So, and here's the last one. There's probably many, many more, but these are just a few that we have a tendency to believe in. In America, uh, we take the Christian God and we call him maybe the grandpa God. And the grandpa God, here's the thing, he, he just really wants us to be happy. He never disciplines us. And in fact, if we do something wrong, he kind of turns his head and pretends he didn't see it and he easily forgives and he gives us just what we want and he wants us to feel loved and he wants everyone to get along and he's relaxed and easy to please and he's available but the best part of it is he loves to spoil us that's the grandpa god now the problem with all of these views of God is really that they are self-serving and they're simply they're simply not true I mean even if we believe in something that's not true and it gives us comfort deep down inside we don't want to believe a lie we want the truth really deep down inside we want to believe the truth about God And Stuttgart Harvest Church, we do. We want you to reach your full potential about who God wants you to be in your life and what he wants you to do and who you've been designed to be. And so we're going to do our best at this church to show you the truth about who God is so that you can love God with your whole heart. Now, I'm aware that most other religions, they have the same conviction. They don't believe the same things, but they have the same conviction that we have to believe in their God as the true God. They have that same conviction. But here's the question. Have those other religions, have the people found the same peace, joy, and love that we are finding? And here's a better question, really. Have you found that yet now today we are simply saying this will you just try what we're talking about in this series will you just try it and see for yourself if God will really do something in your life of the different gods around the globe Only one God, only one instills love within the hearts of those who follow. Only one really instills love and teaches us how to love other people. And Jesus took all of that law and he describes it in two different ways. And if we would follow the two things that we're talking about today that Jesus teaches These two things would solve all of humankind's major interpersonal problems, all of them. Jesus says for us, he summarizes all these two things. He says, love God, and he says, love others. And you might say, well, you know, I want to believe, Harley. I I want to believe. I I just don't know if he is real. Now, For you, let me let you know, today we're not going to try to talk you into believing God. We're not going to present to you today the the apologetic truths, the facts, the evidence of why God is real. Although those exist, and there's some men who have done great work doing that. 
And you can find those. And it's in C.S. Lewis has a lot. Rabbi Zacharias has some. Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, a guy named William Lane Craig. All of them, they have great works to help you understand that perspective. This morning, we're not going to take that perspective. This morning, we're just going to simply say, maybe the best way for you to know that God is real is for you to try some of his words yourself. Try some of his words yourself. Try some of his ways for yourself this week. We're going to ask you to see, will they work? Just try some of his words. Try some of his ways this week. Why not join us? Why not join us in taking and hiding the Judeo-Christian God's own words, hiding those in your heart to see for yourself how powerful they are and that they can change lives. We're going to ask you to try that. And we're going to ask you to try it by submitting to those two things that Jesus said. We're going to ask you to do your best just to completely test them for yourself and see what his words can do in your life. See if he will actually give you some peace that is far more valuable than money, as the Bible says. See, see if he will transform you into a more compassionate person with the people around you. Just give it a try. See if you will gain more, as the word promises, more self-control. See if he will give you more gentleness. See if he will grant you more patience and more kindness and more love. I believe the best way to learn the high value of God is simply to love him and love his words and to take them and place them in your heart. And the Bible says, so you won't sin against God. You know, his words, they are super powerful. The writer of Hebrews describes how powerful God's words are in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 James will have it on the screen for you. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Now, it's just full of power. He says, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. And here he describes what it does. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And he says, it exposes, God's word, it exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. That is powerful. And we are asking you to test this, to take God's own word this week and discover who God is. Not what you think God should be, but discover who God is. And Donnie's going to get us started on that. Right. So, so what are the beliefs that, that you will discover if you go to God's word and you really look at it and you try to figure out who he is? Is What are the characteristics of God that, that you will find if you do that or that you currently have found or are finding when you read God's word? And when we take those characteristics of God and we put them down in our heart, what does that do? For us. This morning, you know, we have a couple of things here and we want that we want for ourselves, that we want to place down in our heart and that we desperately want f- for you all. So uh, the first one is, is I want a God of love in my heart. And you know, this this is key for understanding who God is and what he's about. God actually made me and you so that he can love us. Um, he, he wants you to, to return that love also, though. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, 
Just a couple verses here out of Ephesians. It says, even before he made the world. Let's pause just for a moment. Check this out. Before God even made the world, he had a plan for you. He had a plan for me. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. That's key. In Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us. Wow, that, that's relationship language there, to adopt us, to make us part of his family forever. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us, into, or bringing us to, to himself through Christ. And it says, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So that is part of who God is, that, that he wants a daily walking, loving, talking relationship with you and I. And he tells us if, if we'll put him in his rightful place, which is first in our life, that, and we pursue him with everything we have, he will take care of the details of our life. Not that, not that everything will be smooth sailing from then on, but he will take care of us. And now that is a, a loving God. The other thing is I want a God in my heart that, uh, who became a man. And the reason for this, listen, is because in John's account of the gospel, the, the first verse, it tells us that, that God put on this flesh and blood like we have, and he came to the earth with a specific task to accomplish. He, he didn't just tell us who he was. He said, I'm going to show you who I am. And he did so by coming as Jesus, because Jesus was fully God, fully man. You want to know who God is? Just look at the life of Jesus. Look at the things Jesus said, the way he reacted, the things he thought. That is how, that's who God is. That's God's character on display for us. And he did that so that you and I could understand just a little bit about who God is. Although, you know, we, we have this, this finite, limited mind, and God is infinite, and we'll never understand everything about God. But by coming as a man, coming as Jesus, he gave us what we needed to know about himself. And he came personally on a mission to fix a very specific problem. And that problem is sin. That problem is when we sin, when you sin, when I sin, we become unholy. We become imperfect. And, and no one is going to argue with me this morning and say anyone in this room is perfect, right? That we are all imperfect. We're all unholy. And God is holy and heaven is holy. And in order for us to get to heaven, we too have to become holy. And in order to do that, God had to sacrifice something holy, something perfect, and that was himself through Jesus. And that's why he had to become a man, because God cannot die. So God had to, to put on flesh and blood, come to this earth, die as a sacrifice for all. And that's why he became a man. That's why God did it. So he became Jesus so he could die for us, for you. And I. You know, the other thing is I want 
uh, in my heart a God who rules as king. And this, this, is, uh, this is key. You know, throughout God's word, um, he tells us, if you read it, you'll find it, that he is not uh, the backup plan. He is not there in case we just can't handle things. He wants to rule in our life. He actually demands it, but the, the, the amazing thing about God, He doesn't force it. He, he doesn't um, beat us into submission. He doesn't kill people so we'll be afraid of Him. He simply wants us to submit to Him because, because we love Him. The other thing is I want in my heart a God who has given me His Spirit. You know, look, look this up. It's in, in John 14, I believe. Um, the night before Jesus died on the cross, um, he was sitting around with his disciples and he knew that his disciples would be devastated because of this event. And so he, he tells them that um, he is going to send God's spirit not to be near to them, not to be close to them, but to be in them to be in them. And he, he was giving that spirit for comfort, for guidance, and he knew that, that 2,000 years later that we would be sitting in this theater and that, that we too would need his same spirit for comfort, for guidance as we try to follow Christ. And I want a God that, that is not just close to me, but that lives within me. And, and that spirit, it can, it can change our hearts, it can change our mind, and changes our actions because of it. The other thing is, I want a God who has given me his written instructions for how to live my life. You know, the, the Bible is very practical and has some, some very um, specific things about how we, should, we, how we should live our life. And... It doesn't leave us, God didn't leave us guessing about what things to do, what we should do, or maybe should not do. He lays it out pretty plainly for us. Listen to uh, Proverbs chapter 7. It says, Do what I say and you'll live well. My teaching is as precious as your eyesight. Guard it. Write it on the back of your hands. Etch it, etch it on the chambers of your heart. He gives us uh, specific instructions on how to live our life. And that's the God that I want in my heart. It's the God I want in your heart. Yeah. And here's what we hope. We hope that as you dig into God's word, that that's, those are all the things. All the things Donnie just read, those beliefs about God called theology, it's all straight out of God's word. And that's the truth that he wants to use to replace some of these faulty beliefs that we have about God. But there's a problem. There's, there's a great obstacle to belief, to us believing the way God really is as he presents himself and teaches us in his word. And the obstacle that will keep us away from God's truth every time the obstacle is hedonism. And we talked about that last week. That means us seeking after pleasure instead of seeking the truth about God. And Paul gives us a description here. He says, don't live like these people. And then he gives us this list, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, he describes them, their minds are full of darkness. They wander 
far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. Verse 19, he says this, they have no sense of shame. And here's this hedonism, this living for pleasure. He says, they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. This this whole thing of pursuing, just simply pursuing what pleases us, chasing after whatever pleasure you want to chase after, will always keep you away from the truth about who God really is. Now today, we are just simply asking you to take God's word and try it. Try the power of God's word and see if it's really there, what we're talking about. We're asking you to take scripture, take the Bible very seriously. Here's the passage we're kind of zoning in on this morning that we're asking you to take seriously and why we're asking you to take it seriously. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, I'm going to start with, and here's what it says. Jesus replied, so these are the words of Jesus. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He's not saying the God you think he should be or the God that you want to create in your mind and in your world. He said, no, just love God. The God as he presents himself to you through scripture, love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And he said, this is the first and greatest commandment. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I want you to place a high, high value on loving God. And we're asking you this week, will you you try that? Will you begin trying to place a high value on loving God? Right. Jesus continues in the passage and he says, a second, don't, don't miss this, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not only placing a high value on God, but placing a high value on others. And he goes on uh, later in, in Matthew chapter 25, we'll read why, he tells us why that is so important. Placing such a high value on God, placing a high value on others, partly because life is valuable because God died for all of us. Jesus died for all of us, which makes life so very valuable. Listen to, to what God says uh, actually happens when we are serving others, when we are loving others. Matthew chapter 25, and he says, And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So God says, when you are loving others, you are actually loving me also. That's pretty big. So if God says, I want you to place a high value on loving God, and he says, I want you to place a high value on loving others, and then he says, when you love others, you're also loving me, that's a big deal. And you may ask, well, uh, okay, I, I get that. I understand that. But does God expect me to love people who have hurt me? I mean, I understand loving my mom and dad or loving someone who's good to me, but loving people that have hurt me, 
And the answer is, Jesus would say to that, yes, yes, love even the people that have hurt you. You see, here's the reality. Most humans, which that's most of us in here today, most humans have enough love in their heart for for at least one, at least one unlovable person in their life. They have enough love for at least one. Someone who's filled with, you know, terrible deeds, uh, their, their attitudes are bad, and their thoughts are horrible, they're flawed, uh, enough bad stuff to make an angel blush. I mean, most of us have enough love in our heart for at least one person like that. So, who, who is that person? Well, the reality is, it's the person you look at in the mirror every single day when you get up. It's the person I look at in the mirror when I get up. And I seem to, in my heart, have enough love for that person I see in the mirror. That person who is full of badness. I have enough love for that person. But then I look around me, and you look around you, and we don't seem to have enough love left over for the other people who are just like us. And God is saying, we need to love those other people too, not just the bad guy in the mirror. We need to love the other people around us as well. And this week, we're just simply asking you to do this. Will you work towards loving God? And will you work towards loving other people around you? Will you just simply try this? Will you, will you take what God has written what he has said in his word. And will you take some of that and place it into your mind, into your heart? Will you memorize a verse or two this week that talks about loving God and loving other people? Memorize it and then savor it. And if you don't know how to savor God's word, we talk all about that in week number two of this series. Go back and listen to that so you know how to take his word in, memorize it, and savor it. That's where all the change really comes from as we savor the word. Will you simply do that this week with us, alongside of us? And in doing so, just see what God is going to do to your thoughts, to your feelings, to your actions, to your reactions. Here's what we know. If you have done this in one of these weeks that we've had of this series, if you've done this, we know this, God is changing you. I know it because he always does. But I know this too. If you have not done what we've talked about these previous weeks, you're not being changed. If you're not doing this, we know this. Your yesterday is still defining your tomorrow every single time because change is happening for every single person who is working 
this scripture, these words of God into their lives. It is God's process for changing faulty beliefs. And that's why we're talking about it every single week because it works every single time. Will you join us and simply take God's word this week, place it in your heart, and see what he does. Let's pray. God, we have recreated you in our minds into something that we want you to be. And God, in doing so, we seem to refuse to believe that God is not what I want God to be. So we make you what we want you to be. But God, you are God. God, you are king. And you want us to submit to you. You want us to submit to who you say that you are. So God, we're asking you this. This week, will you begin the process? Will you begin to help us understand you more, God? As we take your words and place them deep into our lives. And God, we ask this. May your spirit change us in direct proportion to how seriously we take you and your words. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. God, you who loved us so much that you died for us. Yes, in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.